our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis. Hope you're well. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is going to be about how to introduce your dog to another dog. There's two pillars on this. There is strange dog we don't know, and we're not sure what's going to happen. And then it's the dog that maybe lives with you or a friend's dog, partner's dog, neighbor's dog, dog that's going to be around for a long period of time. But before we get into that, I just want to say happy freaking new year, everybody. 2024 is here. And I'm very grateful for all of you out there listening to what I'm saying here on the mic. And I hope that it really helps you guys. Uh, and I know I've said this before and it might sound annoying at times, but I just want to say thank you because every day I wake up and get to do what I love because of you guys. Um, so I'm glad that I'm offering some value and I'm more than happy and more than glad and more than grateful that you're listening and uh, supporting us. Just got a really kind message. I get messages every day, but just just thank you guys. You guys are the best. Uh, I, I hope that this... Uh, year is is great for you. Uh, just remember to breathe and be grateful for what you have. <clears throat> it's easy to get lost in the world. Um, I find myself constantly kind of tunnel vision sometimes. In the last probably four to six months, I've been doing just practicing gratitude and appreciation for where I'm at and what I'm doing. It's not easy um, to. To, to do that and take a step back. Um, but, uh, I've, I've been really practicing that and it's been a life-changing, uh, experience for me, life-changing exercise, I guess, but I've always been grateful for what I have, but sometimes you have to practice things to, to really appreciate them more and for what they are. I'm the type of person that grabs a gear and then looks for the next gear to grab as I'm accepting that gear. Um, so, uh, sometimes I don't get to reflect on the things that I've done, and, uh, you know, it's, it just, it's, it's easy. It's nice to stop and say, Hey, what are we doing? What, have, what what's going on? And, and it's really cool when you do that, you can kind of look down and see all the things that, that we've able to create together as a community. So thank you. Let's get into this episode. If you guys want to introduce your dog to a new dog, let's say it is a dog for an example, a new puppy, which I'm getting uh, next month. So you guys are going to see a lot of puppy content coming at you on my social media on Instagram. And of course, we're going to do full lengths on, on YouTube as well. But we'll start with that because I think that's going to be the easiest uh, thing to start with. Uh, so let's say 
Maybe you just started dating somebody, they have a dog. Maybe you got a neighbor that has a dog and maybe you just want your dog to meet another dog that's going to be around. If if you're listening to this particular episode, you might be thinking, well, I'm that, I have that dog that we're not sure of. So if you're out there and you have the dog that's wiggle butts and is on their back and peeing on themselves, that's fine. But you might run across somebody in your life that says, hey, my dog's kind of iffy with new dogs. I'm not really sure how this is going to go. How would you do this? And so the the way that you would do it is, let's say we have an idyllic time frame and we have an ideal situation. It would be understanding that dogs, as far as socialization goes, they just need to be around other dogs to understand who they are, what they are. They don't need to go nose to nose. They don't need to run around and play. Socialization for a lot of dog owners is considered to be only dog, well, dog parks, sniffing each other's faces as they're passing, uh, playing with each other, so on and so forth. And that's not always the case. Dogs are so keen on their senses, their smells, their sight, uh, remembering dogs. I mean, that's just how they are as animals. And so when you're meeting a new dog and you're just unsure or you want it to just go successful, first thing is neutral grounds. Do not bring this dog into your home in the beginning. It's it's the setup for danger. It's the setup for failure. It's the setup for everything that could go wrong, could possibly go wrong in the house. Reasons for that's their home. So uh, dogs is a little bit different. Like if I were to say, hey, to my wife, hey, uh, my neighbor, Kevin's going to come over. Okay, cool, right? But for a dog, it's so much different for that. It's so much primal than that. It's so much animal than that. It's their home. It's their protective layer. It's where they eat. It's where their food is. It's where their family is. It's where their bed is. That's where their water is. That's where their toys are, et cetera, et cetera. It's different. They don't have the concept of somebody just coming over to hang out and sharing that space. Dogs don't typically share spaces with random people like we would. Like the other day, the Amazon driver's like, hey, can I get a napkin? I spilled something. Yeah, sure. Like just having interactions with people on your front steps or even in your own home is a regular thing that that likely will occur. So that's why dogs, you shouldn't, please don't bring another dog into your home if just in general. I mean, in the beginning, that's just not a good idea. You want to warm up a little bit with, with, with the two dogs. So what you would do is neutrality, going out for a walk. If you don't go out for a walk and or you can't um, for whatever reason, like so, the, so let's just say if you can go out for a walk, you're going to, one person has one dog, one person has the other dog, and you guys just go for a walk. You kind of separate the two. They can smell each other. One goes in front of the other. I'm just going to give you the safest way possible to introduce dogs first, easiest way possible to be successful. And so that's how you would do that in the beginning is you would just go for a walk in tandem with each other. Just talk, be a human. You don't have to go for a 30-minute walk. You can go down the block and back. But what this does is it kind of opens up that box for the dogs to understand each other, to know each other, to smell each other, start warming that process up. And that's a very good way to start. Then what you would do, again, ideally, is you would go back into the yard, excuse me, and then you would hopefully get a chain link fence and or... Again, oh, I'm getting a puppy next month, so I'm going to have an X-Pen ready. An X-Pen is basically a, a paneled um, system, so it has, think about it like a baby pen, right? It's got all these panels that can collapse into like an accordion thing, and then you can open it back up, and it makes this panel. So an X-Pen is that. Just Google X-Pen. You'll find it anywhere that sells anything with dogs. So 
if you don't have a, a chain link fence or a fence that they can sniff each other through, what the fence does is it can certainly provide frustration, but it provides safety for a dog who's unsure. So if they go up to the fence and one dog's overwhelmed, one dog is not feeling it, one dog is whatever, you can see really clearly their intentions. One dog might just growl, show their teeth, snarl, and then if they do have a go, you can say, oh, that was a bad idea and nobody gets hurt. So it's a really safety net there. The other thing is, is one dog can walk away and the other dog won't harass them. So this is really big for like puppies on both ends. Puppies can be very overwhelming to some other dogs. Hey, 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 mommy, mommy, mom, mom. And they can also be overwhelmed by other dogs as well. So you don't want them to be insecure, shy around meeting new dogs because maybe you have that very excitable. Again, this podcast is really for both ends of the spectrum of just how to introduce a new dog in general. It doesn't matter if you have an aggressive or an unsure or excited dog, but because you can make a situation really bad for a puppy if you have like an overwhelming, excitable dog. When I say really bad, I mean overwhelming. It's a little dramatic on my end, but the puppy gets scared. They tail tuck, they whimper, they run away. They're nervous. They're overwhelmed all that stuff because you get the dog that's like, Hey, what's up? What's your name? Oh, you're a puppy. That's cool. And there, and that's fine. It's not going to cause any aggressive issues per se, but it can definitely overwhelm the puppy to not have a good experience. And you don't want, you want this introduction to be as good as possible. That's the way dogs are. It's animals in general are kind of like, you want the first impression to matter to, to mean the most because once they maybe don't get along, they have a bad experience you put them into a situation that is overwhelming and bad, then that's their per, that's their take on that other dog. And so you want to make it successful. So having that gate, having that chain link fence, if you don't have access to that, go out and buy a $50 X-Pen to set up, put the puppy or put one dog in there and they can meet safely that way. And then when, let's say this dog is coming inside to the house or you're going into somebody else's house, talked about it earlier, but it would be removing all toys, bones, food dishes, including water in the beginning, uh, anything that can, they can argue over, or have a problem over. And you'll see that typically, like if another dog comes into another dog's home, the dog's home dog, the home team dog might run around and find their toys and sit there and growl and snarl and resource guard them. It's because they're not, they're not used to it. It's a whole new thing for them. They're like, this is, don't touch my stuff. So picking all that up is going to be helpful. Uh, I would suggest staying standing for humans. So the again, just ideal world. Staying standing for 10 to 15 minutes to have a conversation while the dogs can kind of figure each other out. The moment you sit down, again, you kind of crack open the possibilities of having resource guarding issues. So a dog that might find you a value or be protective over you might have resource guarding issues over you. They come and sit on your lap. They come and sit in front of you. The other dog comes up. Boom, there's a snarling little fight tussle. Be mindful of that. Um, So those are just off the top of my head the things that you want to do. So if you have the opportunity, go for a walk. A long walk is better. Um, But if you can't, I get it. It's cold. It's hot. However you're listening to this. Uh, And then the more time you spend in neutral grounds, the better. If you can spend the whole day making, God, I want this to work so bad spend the day, spend the day in a successful neutral environment, going for walks, not setting the dog up for failure. 
that's the best thing to do. The best thing to do with dogs that you're unsure of is to just say, hey, you guys don't have to worry about each other because you're going on a walk with us humans. So don't worry. It's the moment that we're like, dog, dog, meet. And it's like, then they don't have a good time. Then it's overwhelming. Then they get nervous. Then they get fearful. Then they get aggressive. Then they get protective. We immediately set them up for failure by basically just, you know, blind date, you know, it's like, it's got to go good or it's going to go bad. Right. And if it goes bad, you might be kicking yourself because you're like, Oh, I wonder if I would have just done some of the suggestions I'm suggesting in this podcast, if it would have went a different way. So that's again, off the top of my head, uh, as you got, if you guys don't follow me on Instagram, uh, I would suggest doing that if you're interested in this integration process, because again, I'm getting a puppy next month. For the, I haven't gotten a puppy since Lakota was a puppy. Um, and Lakota is tolerable with other dogs. She n- she likes puppies more than she likes older dogs. So anyway, you'll be able to see. I'm going to be posting a lot because it's like the first time in seven years, eight years, that I'll have a puppy. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze every bit of content out for you guys as much as possible on my stories in particular. So tune into that. But also... You just have to like play it out by ear. But if this is going to be a thing like, oh, we just got a puppy or bringing home a puppy, then you would try to be mindful. Again, unless the other dog is like, you're my best friend immediately. We're buddies. But even still then, you should separate them to some regard just to make sure that they have their own space because you you don't want them to become obsessed with each other and 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 overly playful with each other because then your training and listening kind of goes out the window. You want to make sure okay, yeah, play, have a good time, be puppies, great. This is amazing, awesome. But also like don't be afraid to separate them so you can work on some training individually. That's what I'll have to do with the puppy when I get him home is hopefully Lakota takes to him. I hope. There's nothing I could do about it, but I am going to try to my best to set him up for for success. And if it does, I'm still going to be taking the puppy away in individual training sessions to train alone uh, just because I need, because he's going to be like, ooh, puppy, ooh, puppy, ooh, puppy, like to my, to Lakota. He's going to be interested in her. She's going to be in a down stay and she's going to be like, dude, got to pay attention. So anyway, if you're integrating in for multiple days, just take your time, start the routine um, and then pull the other dog away to, to train individually because it is a very overwhelming part of having two multiple dogs in general is just if one is trained then you're going to have to spend time training the other and a lot of times people will say oh it's impossible it is impossible if you're trying to train two dogs at once you gotta it's like trying to train uh, a four-year-old and a six-year-old to potty train at the same exact time it's it's going to be very overwhelming if the six-year-old's already done trained they know what to do say hey i'm going to train your little brother right now you go take a seat So it's a lot easier that way. But to recap really quick, before we get into the second segue, neutral grounds, spend as much time as you can. Second step, chain link fence or any type of fence to get them integrated with each other, kind of like a a new fish in a fish tank. Something goes wrong, they're protected, you're good, you can analyze after. Puppy-proof the house, remove anything valuable up off the floor as they get to know each other and create boundaries with one another, get to know each other and get more comfortable, then you can change that up. As you guys are feeding, so again, when I get a puppy home, he's going to be like so excited to eat because that's what puppies do. So as I'm making Lakota's 
bowl or even my cat dish because they eat raw food. My puppy is going to try to eat that thing, eat the, eat the food. No matter, she doesn't care. Who, he doesn't care who is it, who it is, right? And Lakota will correct the puppy, but she's kind of a, she's a big, powerful dog. And I don't want, she might be, I don't know how fair, she's not going to try to kill the puppy, but she will correct the dog. And I have to advocate for the puppy because I'm already seeing this happen. Puppy's going to go after this food. If I put it down, he's going to chase me. So Lakota eats in her crate. She's always eaten in her crate because I've always had other dogs for this reason. Everybody separates when they eat. I don't care how much they love each other. I don't care how much they, how much training I have under them, how many languages they understand. Dogs are animals. And if, if they fight over food because they're eating next to one another, that's my fault. Duh. <laughs> they're dogs. Oops. It's raw food. Oops. It's hearts. It's livers. It's meat. Uh, yep. They'll fight over it. So... When I'm feeding puppy or when you guys are integrating a new dog in, be mindful of that. Okay, food's about to go down. Where are we going to be feeding? Wanda's going to go on one end. Wanda's going to go on the other. That's why the crate training in the beginning is so helpful. So you're not necessarily crate training the dog just because you want to leave the house and the dog doesn't want to, you don't want the dog to pee and poop everywhere. It's also boundaries. Puppy's going to eat in here because if puppy goes in Lakota's crate, puppy's going to get nailed. So that's another thing to consider as you guys are, integrating the the new dog into the pack that when you're eating or even when you're treating like you get one dog that's sitting there staring at you as you're cracking open that bag of food the puppy comes up puppy jumps all over the other dog for leverage bigger dog mature dog grown-up dog snaps corrects the puppy that's all welcome in my house as far as that goes but if i can advocate i will um, there's certain dogs like my dog Lola used to be the best. She would just correct puppies so fairly. She was a smaller kind of medium dog. Um, her mother skills were next level. She was incredible at it. Obviously she's not with me anymore, but I would let her play out the entire thing. I'd let, I'd let that whole thing go. Lakota is a little bit more serious and I wouldn't jeopardize their relationship knowing that she could be more serious. So if you have the dog that's really, um, I don't know, uh, I guess less harsh with their corrections, you trust that more, then that's something you could play out. It's definitely welcome because it's the most natural way to train a dog ever. The most natural way to train a dog uh, is having that happen. Uh, again, you just have to be realistic and fair and read between the lines of like, okay, if I have a 150-pound Rottweiler, I'm not going to let that dog correct a new puppy. It may not be fair, right? So you just, again, with anything in life, just read between the lines on that. But second segue to this conversation is probably just as important um, is, is, okay, we have another dog that my dog wants to meet. So this happens often. I'm not really talking about strange dogs running up off leash and trying to fight or being aggressive. That's a different conversation. I'm talking about you're out for a walk and a, somebody says, Hey, can our dog, can our dogs meet? And this kind of throws people off cause they're like, um, and by the time they can even make a decision, the dogs are nose to nose. So, my suggestion for anybody out there that's going to have these little micro meet and greets, you have to understand that, again, socialization doesn't have to be dogs going nose to nose. And I don't poo-poo it and I don't say never do it because if I'm out with my puppy at six months and a dog walks up to sniff him, I'm not going to be upset about that. I'm not going to care about that. I'm just going to monitor it very, very closely 
because I'm responsible if something happens because I let another dog come up to my dog. And it, just like with kids, right? If I'm just out playing and this random kid comes up to play with my kid, like it's my call. Like, who, where's this? Okay, what are we, what are we doing, right? It's your, you have to make that decision. You're the one that can zoom out and make that grown up decision. So I don't want to say when you're passing by other dogs to never let it happen. And heck, if you have a super friendly dog, it's fine. It might be part of your regular life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Look, guys, I'm in the business to give you guys every piece of advice along the way with your dog. So it's not just aggressive and behavioral stuff. It's also just in general, like this, the, I'm a dog lover. If I saw two dogs out there kissing each other, I'm laughing. I'm like, that's sweet. That's great. I don't care. But I do understand that the reality is, is not everybody's responsible. And it's very, some people are just, they don't have control over their dog and their dog's about to pull them down to get to you. And their way of saying, I have zero control over my dog. I'm so sorry, but we're coming in your space. What they do is, is they say, oh, my dog wants to meet your dog. And it's like, well, I don't think you have a choice because you have zero control. And unfortunately, that's probably more than 50% of people who have dogs. Nobody has control. Nobody knows anything about dog behavior. They just have a dog because whatever. It's kind of sad. But luckily, I'm making this podcast. So if you get into that predicament, you have two decisions. You either bail or you're like, nope, we're out. And you just suck and roll, tuck and roll. Uh, I say suck because like you can just like pull your dog back to you and, and, and bust out of there. Um, but the other thing is, is like sometimes, again, if you have a puppy, you got to be really careful because the amount of dog owners that I've worked with over the last, even in this last year, you know, when I was in Australia, it was a lot. It's like my dog got attacked when we were a puppy. Now we're reactive. My dog got attacked when they were a puppy. Now we don't like other dogs, so on and so forth. So at that stage, puppies are very vulnerable. Uh, they're very trusting. And so if they get nailed or attacked in your care, that's a direct correlation with their relationship with you. They don't, they won't trust you anymore as much. They may not like other dogs. It may make them insecure. It's PTSD. A dog walks up. They're like, Oh, hi dog. I'm a little cute little puppy. What's your name? Bang. They get nailed. They get shook. They get hurt. They're crying. They got punctures. They're bleeding. It's this whole thing. So of course their confidence is like, I don't ever want to see another dog. And when I do see another dog, I'm get, I'm scaring them. I want them to get away from me. Leash reactivity, common. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. So you have to just do your best to read the situation. If it's somebody who doesn't have control over their dog and you're 
unsure of how the, the other dog is going to behave, best thing to do is just try to reel your dog up and get out. You just have to be mindful, and I'll say that with a caveat of you don't want to make an uncomfortable situation for your dog to put them in a vulnerable state. So you really got to play ninja here. If the dog is already to you, I would suggest, if the dog is already to you and it's a 50-50, best thing to do is to calmly, hey, who's this? Oh, look at this dog. Talk to them both. Get them friendly. Get those tails wagging. What's going on? Okay, come on, buddy. Let's go. And you just scoot on. Let's go. Keep it moving. No problems. We don't want any trouble. And you kind of fake it till you make it type thing. Um, But alternatively, if you have a dog that's pulling towards you or you have an unwanted dog coming up to you, the best thing to do is try to avoid the situation, in my opinion. The reason why I'm saying that is because there's a lot of people out there that don't have any control over the dog. They don't know what their dog is going to do, nor do they care. And the amount of people that have come up to me or I've had to work with in seminars because of their dog reactivity, because their dog was attacked, is alarming. It's like, okay, what's going on out there? And apparently this is happening every day to a lot of people. And so for me, again, if I, you have to like read the situation like any other situation, right? It's just like with people, like you got to read people and it's really easy for, it's easier for others than, than, than not. But best thing to do is you get a tail wagging, happy, coming over, fine. Who cares? Actually, that's probably good for your puppy. Look, it's just a puppy. Okay, cool. Encourage that. Take advantage of that. But if you get a dog and you're unsure and and their body language is also unsure and it's a bad situation, right? You'll see like the older guy, girl, walk in the cute lab and it's like the cutest thing ever. Perfect opportunity for maybe your dog to meet. Great dog to meet. But again, if it's an unruly, out-of-control dog and the owner's getting dragged and you're like, oh shit, what's what's this going to be? Uh, then I would just bail if you can. But again, if you can't get out, then I would just do everything you can to say, it's okay, we're all good. Um, just going over that that process of faking it until you make it. Everything's okay, good job. Okay, we're going to go now. Okay, Bye. <laughs> That's the best thing to do in those situations just because you don't want to, you don't, as they're meeting, right, once the dogs are nose to nose, you don't want to put pressure because that'll make things worse. That'll make conflict happen. That'll make, that'll make an, an eruption or a detonator happen. You don't want to do that. What you really want to do is just say, okay, shit, all right, I guess this is happening. Hey, how about we just move out of this situation? How about we just move on? How about we just keep going? So that's my suggestion. Um, so I hope that, I hope that that makes sense. But that's that's the best case scenario. So if you're unsure about how your dog is going to act, if you're unsure of how the other dog is going to act, don't let it happen if you can. If it is happening and there's really no choice you have, and it's already like boom, it's in front of you. Again, fake it till you make it. Hey, how's it? Oh, hi. And then try to get in between the two with your body. Pet the other dog. Try to draw attention away from your dog. So one thing you'll do is if I have my hand on my right, if I have the leash in my right hand and this situation happens and I can see that my dog is uncomfortable, I'll get down and talk to the other dog, take my right hand, pull my dog away, and I'll just, oh, bye. Pat the dog on the head. Move on. That's another trick of the trade. But 
That, those are the types of things that you guys should be doing. But listen, I know that it's tough out there, and I know that it's extraordinarily frustrating to deal with these off-leash dogs and to deal with random people coming up to you. It's downright disrespectful. It's dangerous. It's inappropriate. It's all of the things. I'm with you 100%, guys. No, no questions there. But I'm also the type of person that reads the room. Super friendly dog comes by. You can see it from a mile away that they're just a love bug. Let it happen. Of course, unless your dog is reactive or whatever. But those are the, also the situations that it can go on the other end is if you have that dog that is can be reactive and you see that dog coming, to be fair and empathetic towards that person, they don't think about the reactive dog. Nobody does. They just think about their dog being friendly and lovely and everybody wants to see their dog because 90% of the people that see that smiling golden with the tail flip-flopping is going to have an amazing reaction and I probably would too. So when you have a reactive dog, don't take it personal when these things happen because it's easy to feel like that. It's easy to feel attacked or it's easy to feel like a... Um, I don't know, almost like a victim of like, how dare them? But you got to understand like every other person along this street that you just walked by was so happy to see your smiling golden. They don't understand that your dog is maybe particular about who they like and who they don't. Screen your dog, put yourself in front of the other dog, walk away, avoid the situation, hide your dog until they move on. And if all else fails, hey, my dog's not friendly. Okay. Or my dog bites. <laughs> Uh, shout out to my new hat, by the way. My Dog Bites hats are available in my shop. Link in the description below. Um, this is the end of the podcast. I wanted to bang this one out. It's the new year. I'm getting back into gear. It's kind of like a train getting going again. My train all year long goes all year long. And then when the holiday season again kicked in this year, I just did a lot of like mental health um assessments of like, listen, I can step away from social media for a couple weeks and not go hard every single day and life's going to be okay. And it was hard for me to do that. It really was because I'm just so slowing that train down is hard, but now I'm slowly slowing picking uh, the steam back up. So we're heading out actually this weekend to some shelters. So starting this month, we're doing, I'm giving back for the next six months uh, to, to shelters. So I'm going out to travel at least to two to three shelters a, a month all over the country. Um, and I'm working with shelter dogs. And so we're filming the process uh, via my Instagram and of course, full length on YouTube. If anybody out there works for a shelter is on the board of a shelter who owns a shelter, who directs a shelter, reach out to me on Instagram. I'd be happy to talk to you about coming out. Most important thing for us is just working with people who know what I'm doing, know what I'm about. Um, and the less red tape for us, the better, because we are donating 5000 to $10,000 worth of stuff, meaning my time, my videographer, the flights, the hotels, the logistics, the Uber, the lack of training, etc. Um, and so we just don't want to have to say, hey, I can train dogs. Well, how do you train dogs? Who are you? What do you? And I respect that. But the amount of shelters that are also willing to just say, I don't care who you are, come help. Those are the type of people that I'm really working with right now that are on the calendar just because it's gonna it's just logistics i don't have enough capacity and bandwidth to go through proving who i am and what i'm doing uh and i don't want that to sound an in a egotistical way it's just only because if i can just move on to somebody that's like please come in um it, it would make 
it, it does make our lives a lot easier. And so this is the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to answer three of your dog training questions. If you guys are listening to this, head over to the iTunes review chart on, re- on iTunes and leave your review and your question, and I'll answer it next podcast. This question comes from BM Volantio. Excellent balance training podcast. I recently adopted a two to three year old Corgi cattle dog mix with a rough past, including a bite history and tons of anxiety, which led me to the podcast. Tom makes the concepts easy to understand and implement while it cleared the basic obedience. My question, I have had him for about a year for, sorry, for one month and have been doing daily mental and physical stimulation with him since day he came. He is settling into his obedience and coming along well with sit down, play, stay, heal, leave it all becoming more reliable and low distraction situations and continuing to test him further. The problem I'm finding is that if I say a command such as a sit or a down, but don't do a hand signal, he won't perform the command. So my suggestion is, is a lot of times when you're luring with food, dogs will associate the lure with the hand commands. So you just have to make sure that stay go away from the hand commands and then do your training without the hand commands and then implement the hand commands after and in my opinion hand commands they you don't if they're not necessary for the dog they sometimes can get in the way it doesn't matter it's it's it doesn't matter one way or the other but if you ask the dog to do a sit or a down and don't do the hand command if the dog doesn't do it that's very, very likely that the dog is actually just following the hand because they think they're getting paid. Let's say you put a piece of food in your hand, you put your hand up, the dog sits, you pay. Put the, put your piece of food in your hand, you you put your arm down and you say down and then you pay from there. The dog is following the food. So this sometimes would be that the dog is only working for the food and they actually don't know the hand commands. So let's say out of context, you do your hand command down and they don't do it. That's likely the same reason why if you lured a dog down with food and you said down with food, down with food, down with food, and then down and the dog didn't do it because you didn't lure, they're only listening to that lure. They're only listening to that food. So stay off the hand commands for a little bit, rep in and compartmentalize the just the cues. And if you feel comfortable enough giving a little bit of leash pressure and some enforcement behind those commands, that would be probably helpful as well. Um, that's where I would start there. Good question. Next one. Um, Stephanie PR. I just wrote in the other day about the issue with my dog whining in his crate in the morning, but unfortunately I have a more urgent question. What if anything, what if anything can you help me understand about my dog bites and how to live with him with no fear? Well, my question, my answer to you, Stephanie, and I don't know if this is realistic for you, but you should hire a, I'm not even, I'm going to go through this question, but before I continue, your dog is biting somebody and hurting you and causing pain and, and potential trauma. You got to hire a trainer. I And I know you're researching and you're looking up things and I don't know your situation entirely, but the amount of people that DM me about serious behavioral work that don't reach out to a professional is like, it, it's, 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 that's what you need to do. I mean, you can work with me. I have unbelievable amounts of abilities to work with me online, including full dog training virtually. Um, so, you know, if you don't find anybody, I can do it as well, but Anyway, uh, the latest incident, I he is two years old and has bitten multiple family members and non-family members. He was awake and laying in my bed. I approached him, pet his head a couple of times, and went to remove some eye boogers, and he popped up and bit my thumb, even holding on for a few seconds, which isn't... Yeah, I, I don't feel super comfortable answering this question via podcast. 
because there is an unbelievable amount of unknown things for me to like, I just can't like if your dog is biting you and holding on and causing you pain and trauma and going to the doctor, I don't feel comfortable or responsible to, or if it is responsible for me to respond to this, my suggestion, Stephanie, hire a trainer, find somebody who can help you with this. And if you're like, Oh, well, I don't know anybody. I'm not trying to sell my, any of my programs here, but I work with so many people all over the world, Japan, Indonesia, China, Australia, every month of my online programs. You can work with me virtually with a consult. You can, so many options. Everything is listed in the link below, but I just can't go over a biting dog that we might get rid of via no other context and no back and forth conversations on a podcast question. I'm sorry, I just won't do it. But I'd be happy to help you in any other way outside of this. Next one comes from Smiles85678. Your podcast helped me progress in my journey towards getting my dog and learn, learning neutrality, and I can't thank you enough. I have a three-year-old male neutered Vishla who developed leash reactivity towards people and dogs and resource guarding behaviors when he was around nine months. I worked with a trainer who specialized in e-collar work, and that has worked wonders on solidifying our obedience and heel work and has translated well to mi- diminishing his leash reactivity towards people. We struggle with remaining calm and neutral while dogs are walking by other dogs, specifically when the other dog tries to engage. I'm trying to incorporate my Hermspringer prong into these situations more, but I have found that when I take the pop, when I try the pop, he looks like he is leading towards a reaction. This is just punishing him over the edge, pushing him over the edge. Um, I would agree. I don't think you should correct sooner. I think you should counter the dog's obedience instead of correct the dog for almost reacting. So let's say there's a dog walking. Your dog is, boop, ears are up. First of all, make sure that you're not behind the dog. Stand next to the dog or put the dog behind you. Everybody with a reactive dog puts him out in front of him and goes, all right, let's see what's going to happen. Setting your dog up for failure. There's step one. Step two, work on countering. So don't just wait for a reaction to happen and then correct the dog when they make a mistake, counter, recall, um, focus. Um, as soon as your dog starts to perk up, like right now you're correcting your dog when they get, when they see another dog. So you're making that experience really bad. You want the dog to have a better experience around other dogs. The only way you can do that is you can bounce between rewarding the dog when they make good decisions and, or, recall counter and and give the dog another roadmap right now you're punishing your dog for realizing that there's another dog in the vicinity which is unfair and unrealistic you're out with your dog they see a dog they go hey there's a dog wham whack don't look what the don't look but there's whack you're you're gonna you're gonna suppress that behavior you're also probably going to make that anxiety around other dogs worse. So work on countering that moment instead of correcting it before you even know what's going to happen because that will definitely make that worse. All right, we'll do one more. Holly, five-star review. Thank you so much. Love the podcast. It's helped me quite a bit, but I'm stumped with this. I have a seven-year-old Russell Terrier mix. I was wondering if I use a bark collar for him, would it affect the way we use the e-collar? Currently, do not use... Either, but waiting for years to get back in stock. Stock. What should I introduce? Separate ways. 
I think my my answer would be trying not to immediately go to the symptom of the problem. I would try to figure out why we are doing this in the first place. Meaning, if your dog is habitually barking, is that because they're uh, is that because they are bored? Is that be is that because they are insecure? Is that because that they're not getting enough exercise? So there's that part of me. But to answer your question, you can use them interchangeably, but you just have to be mindful. I wouldn't introduce them both at the same exact time. So if you're going to use the bark collar, um, put it out, you know, put it on them, start using it uh, that way. And then the e-collar will come in condition later on in the, in the future. So that's my suggestion. Holly, thank you so much for your question. Hope that, hope that helps. Um, hope you guys are well. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.